ladies and gentlemen. Episode number 78 of the Run It Back podcast. Big couple of weeks for the boys. Uh, podcast probably coming in a little bit later. Well, it probably feels a little bit later because we dropped the last one so early. Good things have been happening in the podcast world. It's going to make Stoney very, very happy. He always talked about the podcast room being uh, the Madison Square Gardens of podcasts. I've actually returned it to its original form. So Stoney now sits across the desk from me. He was uh, a Cheshire cat when he walked in here <laughs> smile from uh, cheek to cheek we are heading into another pay-per-view uh 287 these are flying every time we yeah. do a podcast there's a, a pay-per-view card we will look back at the last two weeks We've got a new segment on the podcast today which um yeah. i needed to give plenty of notice to the boys so it's not a surprise but the surprise could be that i actually made an intro for it lads so pretty excited for you guys to hear that <laughs> Um, I did get a cheeky little uh, DM during the week. Uh, it was in the audio form. Um, so I'll pick that up in housekeeping. But first, let me throw it over to Stony. Stony, mate, how's the week? Mate, good week. Absolutely cherry on top to walk in here and see that we're sitting face to face and not, not mm. next to each other. So kudos. Don't know about this stitch up in the back though, DL. Don't know about the tiger <laughs> scarf. Don't know how that sits with me. But we'll push on regardless. The show must go on. As you said, big new segment, DL. Debate this where me and the stat man go head to head mono e mono love it on a topic of your choosing dl <laughs> and without giving too much way I'll, I'll just say that i love the fact you picked the side for us to yep. debate <laughs> so me and stat man had no say whatsoever in what we're actually arguing which is is a shame for the stat man dl because you've stitched him up a little bit and giving him a the unenviable position to argue something that he categorically does not believe in dl so <laughs> It's like asking me to argue that Joe Biden is a good president or <laughs> that Pfizer products work, DL. I just couldn't do it. So I look forward to the stat man trying his best and failing miserably in uh, segment number one. God. Sorry, stat man. Oh, I better give you the right to reply very early. Stat yeah. man, how are you? Mate, I'm doing well. Chuck it, chuck it to a rebuttal nice and nice and quick for this one. No, boys, honestly, I'm to be... To be perfectly frank, I'm I'm very very excited for reasons outside of debating Stony. Um, this is actually one of the very first podcasts where I could actually hear the intro music. So hey. uh, the sound cues are coming through, boys, and I that that means that I can maybe hear the uh, the intro music to the debate. So I'm excited. Normally, I have to just kind of go off the the visual cues that the boys have heard the end of the end of a song. So I'm very excited for this. Boys, I've upgraded some equipment back end here. We're getting a bit excited about things at the moment. But boys, uh, let's jump into the podcast straight away. Uh, a little bit of housekeeping to kick us off. Uh, look, I've only got one thing for uh, housekeeping today, and I mentioned it in the intro, uh, a little uh, DM that slid my way this week. It's in an audio form. You would have picked up Tool of the Week last week. So Tool of the Week, pretty funny one from Stony. It was about a Lithuanian chip company called, uh, what was it? It was uh, Chaz. 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 Chaz Chips. Chaz Chips uh, yeah. with their dick-flavoured uh, chips. <laughs> what did they respond to? <laughs> no, sadly it wasn't, uh, it wasn't Chaz. It wasn't, okay. it wasn't the uh, head of Chaz. I'm it trying was, to think who else I may have offended in the process. It was uh, our boy Snags. So, uh, Ooh, Snags. <laughs> Snags sent in a, a little reply, and I'll, I'll play that for the boys now. Snags, Snags here. Just sent in a quick message. Sorry, just eating some chips at the same time. <laughs> Delicious. Miss you, boys, but just a quick message for Stoney. Keep my name out your fucking mouth. 
That's him. That's Stag. <laughs> and fair I play. Love, I love that he was fair eating play. the chips as well. Yeah, the, I just love the, the fact he's listening too. along, Dale, that he's, that he's missing us. And I just said off air, when can we get the great man back? Surely, surely there's a momentous card just around the corner. Maybe the Conor McGregor return, who knows? Oof. But it'd be nice to get him back on as a special guest, just to see how he's been travelling. Trying to get him in the uh, close to the studio at the moment. So uh, yep. we're pulling a few strings in the background, trying to get him in the hometown. So uh, He's not in the cupboard, is no, he? No, he's not. He's not in the cupboard. He's not in the cupboard. Because if he Stank was, it would have been closet for a while. Uh, boys, that's all I've got for housekeeping. Stony, anything for housekeeping for you? Mate, I am all good. That man, anything for you? All good. Boys, let's jump into the last two weeks that was. Likes and dislikes. We had USC London. We have Vera Sanhagen as well. But boys, like we've said, doesn't have to be relating to those cards. Likes and dislikes, Stony. Mate, loved, not liked, loved to see the return of my girl, Holly Home. Uh, and just as the stat man enjoys, grinding out another decision victory deal. So that was uh, that was one for the boys. Uh, we go back a fortnight earlier and Gunnar Nelson, my lock, getting it getting it done once again. Look, I, I've... I've enjoyed these cards, DL, mm. but it's actually Easter Sunday that I'm really looking forward to. So I'm I'm much more up and about thinking forward than looking back. Stepman. Uh, on, honestly, I really, really enjoyed the uh, the UFC in London. Leon Edwards getting the upset. I don't know. I wasn't expecting to be rooting for Leon Edwards in that fight, but there's something about the champion underdog getting it done, um, especially like off the back of a performance where he was losing until he won with that head kick to come out and definitively win that second, that third fight, I should say was really, really great. Gaethje versus Fazeev was about as amazing a fight as you, you would expect it to be on paper. It's absolutely wild how Justin Gaethje can continue to live up to his moniker as like the human highlight reel. Uh, and Corey Sandhagen this past weekend, just looking absolutely amazing at being a weight. There's a ton of amazing fights for, in the bandweight division, so excited to see where it goes for that. I did have something I disliked, mm. and it's something that I've complained about a fair bit, and it's not Holly Holm, although she's going to get a title <laughs> fight off that performance, man, and it's going to kill me. <laughs> I'm just I'm not going I'm to... I'm going to miss the first podcast uh, <laughs> that I've been invited to when Holly Holm is fighting for the title because I'll, I'll be in the worst mood, Holly Holm ishing her way through a five-round decision. The thing that I really disliked was some really shoddy officiating. Specifically on the UFC card in Texas, there was some really, really bad judging calls. I know Macy Barber's your girl, DL, but she she won uh, not her first bullshit decision, but she uh, she won a one quite egregiously this past weekend. And then not to kick the Texas commission while they're down. Uh, I'm sure you boys probably saw on Friday night the Fury FC main event where the fighter got choked unconscious yeah. for about 20 to 30 seconds and then armbarred. And by uh, th- there's rumours that the commission uh, stopped his corner from throwing in the towel. Um, the commentators were screaming. Like there's a – I forget the name of the fighter, but uh, he's a, a UFC fighter was one of the commentators and he was screaming at the ref to stop the fight. And then the the Texas Commission put that ref the next night on as a judge on the UFC card, which is absolutely disrespectful. Like when you when judges get it wrong, it's really really bad because it takes away fifty percent of the livelihood of a fighter. Mm. A fighter gets in there, their 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 pay is is based on the fact that the judges do the right thing 
and score a fight correctly. We know that that's a difficult job to do. It's hard to get it right. But a referee getting the job wrong can have way longer lasting consequences. I don't think, and I've been critical of Herb Dean. I've been critical of uh, a number of judges in the past getting it wrong. But I don't think we've ever seen a judge, a, a, a referee, get it as wrong as that ref got it wrong uh, at Fury FC. If the te- if the Texas Commission had any teeth, they would have fired him on the spot or told him, "Hey, we need you to go away and complete." six courses of how to actually ref because you're clearly incompetent and instead they gave him a judge's position the next night at a UFC temple event um, in their state which is just absolutely mind-boggling and it really it really pissed me off so it, it, we've had such a great run of you of UFC and MMA events but uh, the the officiating it feels like if it's not addressed at some point soon something terrible is going to happen so it needs to be fixed and it needs to be fixed quickly here here and it, not only the officiating, also with the judging. Uh, the name escapes me, Statman, but we had a judge uh, about six weeks ago. He, he, he judged a, a Bellator card, I believe it was, in, in New York and, and did a really questionable decision there and went against the other judges. And then the, the very next day, like he flew out to Vegas and, and officiated, yep. uh, sorry, judged a, a, a UFC card and, and made a, another really sort of disingenuous or questionable decision. So, yeah, the commissions, they, they've got a bit going on behind the scenes and um, – yeah, get the back-to-back events. I don't know how I feel about that um, in any capacity. You, you feel like if a, whether it's a judging or officiating, when, when an event's done, I wouldn't imagine that you would then um, you know fly them out uh, across many states to back it up the following night. But it is what it is. It should be a relatively mentally intensive affair, um, judging and, and and definitely refing. But even judging should be an intense affair. You you're you have their livelihood in your hands. Uh, there's a lot of things for you to consider. No one's saying judging is easy, but yeah, it, it seems like half the half the judges aren't paying attention half the time, and then they're jet setting around the country on on government dimes. So it's um it's kind of bullshit. Stanman, you did mention about a six like a course or anything like that. Is there official training for yeah. refs and um, judges? Yeah, I know uh, Big John McCarthy used to run um, refereeing courses uh, and obviously he was he was pretty instrumental in um, organising and implementing the unified rules of MMA. He's been, he's been a UFC ref since UFC 1. There are courses. Uh, they, I, I, I actually don't know the process that it takes for a referee to get certified by the commission. I assume that there's some level of uh of of paperwork or some level of uh degree you need to attain whether or not it's like a two-day course or a five-day course or something like that but whatever it is we we constantly see well we we have elderly people retaking their license as they rightfully should to be able to drive uh if you are going to be a referee in a sport as as potentially hazardous to the health as mma you you should you should be uh, you should be held to a higher standard. You should be constantly improving your skills. On the weekends that you're not refereeing, you should be going and and training with the best. Go like go to other uh, other refs. Go to other commissions. Learn the different the different ways to referee. Watch watch tape. <laughs> it just seems like they're they're they're. I don't know. I think one of the weird things is that we've made referees celebrities. Uh, which is a really weird thing, and I think that that's something when you see like people 
people lose their mind about referees, but referees should really be invisible. You should like they they should be there to make the call when necessary, but they should they shouldn't be these popular stars when they do make it. That there's no accountability and there's no sort of uh, consequences to them fucking up repeatedly. Have they ever done two refs in the cage? I've never I've never seen it. I've never seen it happen before, and um, I don't know how. With with a sport that's as flowing and and as movement um, not a lot of space focused as as MMA, it's it's kind of crazy. I don't know how it would work in in the cage that they run, especially in the cage in local events, mm. uh, which are much smaller. Uh, I, I've been diving head headlong into ice hockey. And they have four referees. They've got two linesmen and two referees, and it seems to work most of the time. But those refs get hit <laughs> a fair amount of the time as well. So. Um, I don't know if that's the solution. I, I don't know if, um, if if adding even an earpiece and a, a video referee feeding information, I don't know if that would be a distraction when a referee needs to be zoned in. I think we just need to get better referees. I think we just need to get uh, maybe pay your referees higher. I don't know what they're on, but attract the best, keep them educated, keep them trained, and consequences for refs who have a pattern of not delivering a, a safe and effective refereeing experience. Uh, and just one quick like from me, boys. It was good to see Leon Edwards defend his uh, belt against uh, Usman. Yeah, no, definitely like. Congrats on the win, Leon Edwards, if you're listening along, which we know you he are. Is. But <laughs> DL dislike for Leon Edwards oh. is, um, yeah, and I don't want to sour the victory. I feel yeah. like he soured himself by inserting himself in this controversy. And this will segue into the next segment. Yep. Uh, really conscious not to tread on any of the arguments that the Satman will sort of attempt to put forward here. <laughs> but Leon calling out the uh, the Dana White privilege, I thought, was interesting. <laughs> and I just want to just want to address that yep. Colby won his number one contender 12 months ago and mm. has remained inactive. He fought a, a top five guy to win that. Let's cast our mind back to Leon Edwards. You know what he did to, to get the title deal? He beat Nate Diaz. Yep. He then sat out 14 months, so a yep. longer inactive stretch. Yep. Uh, turned down fights against Masvidal and a rematch against Bilal Muhammad. Mm-hmm. The, the hypocrisy of that call-out saying that the, there's this Dana White privilege, I just cannot possibly get around when uh, Leon was uh, afforded the exact same luxury to sort of bide his time and wait for his shot. So interesting uh, interesting angle and, and keen to get the Satman's take in the debate <laughs> around, uh, yeah, just, just how he feels about that. He's just putting arguments out there that you can't respond. That's not part of the debate. <laughs> All right, boys, like we said, it is called Debate This. Today's topic is Colby Covington deserves a title shot. Uh, our for, Stoney. And yep. then our against, Statman. So the boys will have a maximum of two minutes each, which will conclude with one rebuttal each. You'd take a brave producer to hit the uh, bell, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, mate, I'll hit the bell. Yeah, if you're I'll just keep talking. I'm setting my timer on this because you two will fucking carry on too long. So let's get the floor. Stoney, it's all yours. Am I at first, right? We didn't establish that. I oh, no. We, for... we, do you know what we no, should do? No, we should flip a coin. Okay, let, let's, let's should flip a coin. Flip a coin. Um, I'll go heads and tails. <laughs> I'm gonna flip. I'm gonna flip a coaster. All right. So on the top of my coaster, there's a good beer, and then in the other way, it says steam whistle. What are you going, Statman? You can call. I'll go steam you're whistle. Away, you're the away team. <laughs> Damn straight, you will. <laughs> steam whistle. I'll go steam whistle. Alrighty. Good beers. So that's me. Yep, that's you. Alrighty. 
Now, I don't, don't know the formal protocol, but before I'm on the clock, DL, I just want to announce what my argument actually is, just so we're clear. <laughs> yep. So the whole premise here is not that Colby has done enough to convincingly warrant the title shot. It's that he's done just enough and that nobody else has done remotely enough uh, to justify leapfrogging him to uh, that number one contender. So that's just so we're clear. Oh, that, I'm, that's, <laughs> I'm starting his clock. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> like so the start so of the debate right there. And your time starts now. Right, so now we've established uh, that there is a precedent that says you can sit idle for over 12 months to get your shot, thanks to Leon Edwards. Uh, I'll move oh. on to the opening point. So... Uh, Statman will come up with a, a ridiculous... Can you give me like a half what, half time? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Statman's going to come up with a ridiculous argument that Colby hasn't beat anyone in the top 10, and that's an unfair benchmark. Let me explain why, DL. You cannot hold Colby accountable for the fact that the top 10 has changed drastically in the last 20, uh, 10 months. What you can hold him accountable for is has he stepped up to fight the best guys at every opportunity, whether or not that's been uh, a championship fight or just the next highest guy available. And it's a resounding yes. So we're going to run through here, and, and we're acting like he's ducked the top 10 stat, man. Just don't even go there with your argument, because I know that's where it's going. Let's have a look at it. So since 2017, he's fought the top five uh, on seven occasions, DL. Meyer in Brazil was ranked three. Lawler, two fights removed from the champion. Dos Santos, interim champion. Uh, Usman twice. Tyrone Woodley coming off. He, he's lost the belt to Kamara Usman. And Masvidal to determine who was the right for number one contender. So there we go. He's got a history of always, always fighting the top five guys in the division. So uh, it, it's absolutely remiss of the Statman to try and lodge an argument that he's ducking the top ten and he's afraid to step in with the likes of Wonderboy and Neil Magny DL. Uh, so that's a straw man argument that he's going to put together uh, and he's going to do it to try and discredit Colby Covington. But when you look at who he's fought and when, he's earned the right to be considered next in line DL. Oh, you got 35 seconds left. You got one to add anything? Uh, just suck on <laughs> suck on that stat, man. <laughs> <laughs> just ah, for 30 seconds. All right, Stoney, that's great. All right, stat, man, I'll reset the timer. Yep. And you'll can hear I have, a little... Can I have 10 seconds at the very beginning <laughs> yeah. before yep. you start the timer? Yeah, yep. so... I'm going to wait 10 seconds before I start. All right. And you'll All hear right. a little bell when so you're be- halfway. Be- before you begin the timer, though, <laughs> I just want to say my argument is very simple <laughs> and you can start the timer. Colby simply has not shown himself good enough to challenge for the title again. Colby's recent victories are absolutely terrible. Mars Vidal, who I'm sick and tired of pretending is a good fighter. Woodley in the middle of an 0-4 run, which increases to 0-6 if you count his two losses to Jake Paul. Which we don't. Robbie Lawler in the middle of a 1-5 run. I say recent in air quotes because those are his only victories in the last four and a half years. By the time this fight theoretically gets booked, it'll be over five years since Colby has a victory against a fighter who was not on a two-fight losing streak at the time. Jeff Neal, Gilbert Burns, Hamzat Shemaev all have more top 15 welterweight victories in the last two years than Colby does in the last four. And in the time since Shavkat Rachmanov made his debut until now, Colby is 1-1 one and one and Rachmanov is 5-0 and oh with five finishes against two top 15 opponents. Olal Muhammad is on a 12-1 streak right now, including a nine-fight unbeaten streak. Give Colby a five-round main event against anyone in the top five. He wins, he gets a title shot. Fine. Sitting out over a year off the back of a one-fight win streak over Jorge Masvidal should not get you a title fight in 2023. And I'm sick of pretending that he deserves to be in the title contention picture. I'm done. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> no, amicably done there, Satman. Amicably done. Uh, 
But you're talking top 10. Like, we've already established Colby. So this is my rebuttal deal. Yeah, yeah. You only get one minute for your Colby rebuttal. Colby doesn't fight outside the top five. So top 10 is irrelevant. It's like saying Colby hasn't fought the 150th-ranked dude on Tapology's worldwide worldweight rankings. Of course he hasn't. Why would he? He only fights the top five. So let's look at the top five. Gilbert Burns appropriately ranked at 5th-DL. Name one top contender that Gilbert Burns has beat that Colby hasn't. That, that's elevated him above Colby. You can't and you won't. And neither will you, Satman, because there is none. So Burns is 5th for a reason. He's winning are at uh, Wonderboy Thompson and Magni. I like both of them, but you ain't getting title shots off that. Bilal Muhammad, absolutely laughable. You know how many guys he's beaten in the top 10? One. Wonderboy. God bless Wonderboy DL, but everyone's fucking beaten Wonderboy. Give me a full training camp and I'm half chance. <laughs> and then the final one, and the one that I'm most aroused about, uh, Hazmat Shamayev. Uh, he, he's had one top 10 in his whole life, DL. And do you know what he did last time to earn the title shot? He missed weight. He barely made middleweight. You were not getting a fucking title shot coming in 10 pounds overweight for the welterweight division. Uh, Colby Covington, no, speaking of weight, weighed in as the backup fighter on the weekend, DL, for Usman Leon. Proving that once again, the America's champ is number one on the rankings the and number going. one Keep in our going, hearts, boys. Oh, stab in. Uh, My rebuttal. Your rebuttal. He, mate, he started his argument before the timer, which is patently ridiculous. All right, your time starts he, now. Technicalities. Look at it. He said, he said that... My, I would be building up a straw man argument, building up my argument as a straw man to say he could knock it down. That is that is such a level of meta straw man that I can't even fucking fathom. You quoted his victory over Maya as a reason why Colby Covington should get a title fight. That fight happened in 2017. That was six fucking years ago. His strength of competition is fucking weak and he doesn't deserve to be there. I'm done. Oh, 30 seconds he did. Oh, I feel done. like there needs to be a rebuttal to that rebuttal. Just 10 seconds. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's go. So Maya was ranked 3DL. That's higher than anyone that anyone else in the top 10 who Statman's claiming should get the shot has ever fought. So, of course, it's relevant. No one he's saying gets the shot has fought a number three ranked dude ever. Two-second rebuttal. Boom. Six years ago. <laughs> Six years ago. America's champ. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Just quickly on that, I messaged our good friend JVH just uh, before the potty and said, uh, I, I didn't word him up what it was about. I said, Colby, does he deserve the shot? And he, he sent me a voice message and said, uh, Colby deserves the shot no more than I deserve a date with Margot Robbie just because I, kn- I know Alex Volkanovsky. <laughs> and so, boys, you know what's happening? JVH is getting a date with Margot Robbie. It's exciting. <laughs> it's exciting. <laughs> Uh, boys, what, him. what we'll do is we'll turn it back to the audience to get a winner on that one. So we'll put it up on our socials during the week and uh, we'll find out who won our first debate this. And do you know what's funny? My uh, The intro that I made was actually for From the Vault, not the debate one. <laughs> <laughs> so we blew the intro. <laughs> we blew the intro. I was a little confused how that was a debate yeah, one, but that's like, fine. What the fuck? So anyway, I'll edit that up somehow. Can we hear it? The what? The debate. debate one? Oh, I don't have the debate. I made one oh, from yeah. the vault, but I got caught up <laughs> so in the debate one, that. so I didn't make one. Oh, brilliant. So we'll have to, we'll have to, I'll fix that up. That's all good. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on the first debate this, boys. Uh, Sorry was it was good. so one-sided. We'll, uh, we'll aspire to get that man more in the game next time. We'll see what the listeners felt. <laughs> we'll see what the listeners felt uh, during the week and we'll name our winner. All right, boys, another new segment, second new segment. And I did talk about this at the start of the episode and I probably got it wrong. 
I made a stinger today, a little intro, and it's for this one. Oh. Uh, it's for it's Let's for From it. the Vault. It makes more sense now. Oh, no. <laughs> it makes so much more sense. And I'm just from the vault. <laughs> no, no. I get it. I get it now. The, I get the it. The weird part is it. like everyone listening to the podcast at home um, <laughs> will have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> you go back at, to the, the start of the debate where we're all like, yeah, it was a pretty good stinger. <laughs> to- <laughs> I don't know what it was, but sure, it worked fine. So, uh, it played, great. played the wrong intro to the wrong segment earlier. Uh, so uh, we're just correcting <laughs> correcting a few things. I'm back on course now. From the Vault this week is coming from Statman. Statman, floor is yours. Yeah, so we just kind of wanted to look at like interesting uh, moments from MMA, UFC, history, combat, sports in general. Um, and I decided to pick one that's, uh, tangentially related to uh, both myself and Stoney. And, and DL, I'm not sure if you, you're fully aware of this, but <laughs> Stoney and I, uh, a number of years ago, went Fuck to sake. Vegas separately. Uh, we were at UFC 148 together. We were at the Fan Expo. I'm not, uh, tell me if I'm treading over old ground again. <laughs> no, I've never, I've never, never heard this story ever. Stoney and I were at the UFC Fan Expo for uh, UFC 148. Both of us, brimming with excitement to see Anderson Silva versus Charles Sonnen. Um, one of the cool things about the expo was that they they had kind of uh, fan events set up for upcoming UFC events. They were giving out posters and stuff like that. And truth be told, I was pretty meh on UFC 149. Jose Aldo had just recently pulled out of his fight against Eric Koch. Uh, and we got Uriah Faber versus Hannon Burrell for an interim title. Um, I was just more, more keen for Dominic Cruz to get better and, and come back into the title fight. UFC 150 was Frankie Edgar going up against Benson Henderson for a second time, and Frankie Edgar's my favourite fighter, and he got pretty definitively beaten in the first fight, so I wasn't really excited for that one. But there was a fight coming up that I was very excited for, and that was UFC 151. I actually got a poster for it uh, on the first day that I was at the expo, and that was John Jones versus Dan Henderson. That event never happened. It's the first ever event that the UFC cancelled. Um, so I don't have the poster anymore. I wish I did because I feel like that would be kind of a, a bit of UFC memorabilia, a poster for an event that never occurred. And I'm not sure if you remember the the fallout from it. Dan Henderson injured himself eight days before the fight, pulled out. Chael Sonnen got the call up to take the fight and John Jones, on the advice of his coach, Greg Jackson, declined the fight and the UFC scuttled the entire event. And Dana White, that was that was a tomato, deep blood orange Dana White giving a press conference um, screaming about John Jones and Greg Jackson, how Greg Jackson was ruining John Jones's legacy. But let's take a look at the rest of the card because I feel as much as I hate John Jones, as much as I denigrate John Jones... I don't feel, feel like John Jones was very much to blame for that card getting cancelled upon losing the main event. So the co-main event uh, to UFC 151, the lost event, was Jake Ellenberger coming off a loss versus Jay Haron, who was 0-2 in the UFC at the time and hadn't fought for the promotion for seven years. That was the co-main event for a John Jones pay-per-view card. The third fight in the pay-per-view was Dennis Seaver versus Eddie Yagan. 
Eddie Yagan was was one and zero in the UFC at the time. Complete no name. Dennis Siva was best known for derailing George Sotteropoulos, and that even that's like a deep cut. No one really cares about that. <laughs> the fact that Dean Henderson knew of the injury for weeks and weeks ahead of pulling out of the fight as well leads me to believe that John Jones, in this minor. Uh, fraction of his life is completely innocent uh, and I just wanted to clear his name in this small fragment. Stoney you love a you love what I would deem as a conspiracy theory what you call uh, future facts mm-hmm. um, or six months into the future fact yes. yeah exactly do you subscribe to the belief that Chael Sonnen knew of Dan Henderson's injury ahead of time and was secretly preparing for John Jones before he got the call up eight days out from the event because that is quite a popular theory. 100%. I would go as far as saying I think Chael's even spoken to that to a, to a degree. Um, so, yeah, the, the conspiracy is that, that Chael and Dan go back a long way, uh, both from their, their wrestling days and actually quite good friends. Um so 100%, I think Chael knew about that well in advance. He was uh, prepping for a John Jones matchup and inadvertently that, that's how he got it because then John Jones uh, backing out of the fight added more substance and probably more fan interest. They actually ended up coaching on the Ultimate Fighter and made uh, you know quite a, quite a nice promo for their event which eventually took place at UFC 159. Uh, Statman, we were brothers in arms at... 148 from different sides of the arena. Uh, but you weren't there at 159, which was just as well because I was and it was a terrible, terrible main event and I wished I'd never seen it because John Jones uh, just completely obliterated... Decimated him. <laughs> ...our good man, Charles Sonnen. And that is uh, from the vault for today. A lot of good memories and nostalgia there from the stat. Man, Dennis Seaver, the only way I remember him is Connor beat him on the way up. Uh, yep. I actually didn't know he'd ever won in the year. I knew he had some credentials as a kickboxer. Uh, Jakey Allenberger. Little yeah. known fact, I met him at that Fan Expo we were both at. Uh, did you know Statman and I went to a Fan Expo deal? Yeah. 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 But I have Jake Ellenberger as the number one nicest UFC fighter I've ever met, and there's at least 50-odd of them. So that's uh, that's no mean feat uh, for Jake Ellenberger. And, yeah, his career really didn't go on a great run after that. I remember he got yeah, viciously knocked out by Wonderboy at the Ultimate Fighter finale maybe a couple of years later, Statman. I think that sort of signified the, the final nail in the coffin for, for poor old Jake Ellenberger. Lovely, boys. Thank you. A great start to the vault. Uh, looking forward to Stoney's next episode. Hopefully it doesn't have anything to do with the Fan Expo in Vegas. So um, <laughs> that's, the, uh, that's the that's the core of From the Vault. They've oh, all got to be they're somewhat related. related to that they're all Fan related. Expo in 2012. Well, yes. you never know. There might be a time that uh, me and DL went to a, a UFC card in Perth. You just don't know what's going to come up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hope Curtis Blades appears. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the Curtis Blades story needs to be out there. <laughs> Wrongs need to be right. Righted? Right. Wrongs need to be righted? Wrote. Wrote. Wrongs need to be roted. Roted? <laughs> Wrote. Wrongs. Rights. Anyway, boys, let's jump into UFC 287. Ladies and gentlemen, we are live. Massive, massive, massive card, this one. Uh, another card that runs really, really deep. Even some really exciting fights in the early prelims. We'll touch base on the co-main and the main a little bit later, but who wants to kick us off? What's arousing you outside of the main and co-main? 
there's actually, you know, like you said, a lot of depth to this card. I'm actually really, really excited with the UFC's uh, efforts. We talked about the depth of UFC 151 just in the vault. The, these cards have had some serious depth in the early parts of 2023, and I hope it continues. Outside of the main and the co-main, uh, Raul Rojas Jr. opening the pay-per-view card is really exciting. He's incredibly young but incredibly dominant and has a lot of skills, maybe not the polish, but so much skills. Reminds, not not to the same extent, but reminds of watching a young John Jones come up where you're like, this dude has all the talent that he could possibly possess. Um, Joe Pfeiffer continues to impress despite one of the worst nicknames in MMA. It's Body Bags with a Z at the end, which is just terrible. And Adrian Yanez is 5-0 with four really strong finishes as well. So good amount of depth to the uh, to the, the the main card, the prelims and the early prelims as well. Yeah, 100%. That, uh, that one kicking off the main is an absolute banger. And Raul, I think, claiming he will be a UFC champion within 12 months, I think it was, Statman, which is very overly ambitious, but you'd love to see it. DL, one that would get your heart racing just a little bit quicker is Michelle Watterson uh, fighting on the on the, the prelim card. Yeah. Oh, cool. he's gone cold on the karate hottie. I don't know about the haircut. Ooh, well, I'll, I'll take her off your hands and she can she can enjoy the, the pimp wagon. So got Misha Tate, Holly Home, and now welcome to the club, Michelle Watterson. Uh, Michael sticking Chiesa. To, sticking to the same gym, that's fine. <laughs> Michael Chiesa and Lee Jingling. Uh, it, should be, it should be a good fight. I think we've uh, seen a lot of them over the years. And uh, Calvin Gastelum makes a bit of a comeback. It's been a bit of a blast from the past. So not quite good enough to make the main card now, Calvin Gastelum, but we'll uh, take that against Chris Curtis uh, as the final prelim fight. Not related to Curtis Blades. No, it looks looks similar. It would be weird if he did, if he was Curtis with Curtis his, with, with his last name being <laughs> the first name. That would be weird if that's how it worked. <laughs> and Kevin Holland, what a what wasn't he on a run for a little bit? Got us all a little bit fooled there, but um, you know he's taken a couple of you know damaging losses to his reputation. So he's up against Santiago, who's no uh, no slouch either. So it could be another rough night for Kevin Holland boys. Funnest name to say in MMA, Santiago Ponzinibbio. It's just a fun. It's just oh, it's just good. It's just a good name. Fill, fills the mouth. I don't think it was that yep. fun. That's why I didn't pronounce the whole name. Deal. <laughs> Santiago Ponzinibbio. It's great. I love it. Uh, boys, we move on to the the co-main. Oh, I don't know. I'm not as excited as this for this co-main as a lot of people are, but I just think people do get wound up a little bit when the Masvidal. I think he's still living off the Askren knee. Boys, what do you think? Burns Masvidal? Stoney, thoughts? Early thoughts? Uh, early thoughts is it, it's a good fight. Uh, mm. Am I overly aroused by Masvidal or, or Gilbert Burns? Not not at this point. Uh, I think they've both had their respective runs and, you know, they're, they're on the way back down. Masvidal off that vicious beating at the hands of the number one contender, Colby Covington, which just will never be the same, unfortunately, after that deal. Um, but it, but he, he was on a run there for a while. You've you got to give it credit. Like Darren Till, I know, know you can say that it aged bad, but he, he had enormous hype at the time when Masvidal got that knockout. Then he runs through Ben Askren, like, literally, and then he becomes a bad motherfucker, which is a little bit cringy, yeah. but he really towed up Nate Diaz. There's no no denying that. So uh, he had a lot of hype. He, he fared pretty well in, was it Abu Dhabi against Kamara Usman in their first off of maybe seven so. days. He, he lost a decision, and it, uh, I don't think it was an overly close one, but Kamara couldn't put him away and never really threatened to. Um, so I, I don't look at Jorge as being completely washed up and irrelevant. Uh, and, and suffice to say... Two wins from Masvidal probably puts him back in contention as much as we don't like that. That's how thin 
That's how thin this division is, and, and Statman will argue that it's not. But until some of the other top tens actually get wins over higher-ranked opponents, then then it leaves the door open for these matchups. So, look, I hope Masvidal gets it done. I, I like him a little bit more than Gilbert Burns, but you can never count Gilbert Burns out. He's got a lot of tricks, and uh, on the balance of a probability, should take care of Jorge Masvidal this weekend. Yeah, I, I, honestly, Jorge Masvidal's best win out of that streak, I do think, is that Nate Diaz fight. And you could probably argue... Or beating Nate Diaz by a cut with all that scar tissue is probably not the hardest thing in the world. But you you hit the nail on the head. He was dominating Nate Diaz in a stand up fight, which is not something we see every now like every day. I know that Nate has been beaten on the feet, but um, I certainly didn't expect it to be so one sided in Jorge Masvidal's favor. Um, I'm not too sure what Masvidal has for Burns in this fight, which I do think. Yeah, it's 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 odd matchmaking from the UFC. I think um, if they do want to keep the Masvidal cash cow kind of alive, it seems like a weird one for me, um, especially at this at this stage of their career. Masvidal is very durable, and he has I think he has the most split decisions in UFC history. So we know that he makes fights closer than they probably should be, or that they appear on paper. But I do see a decision coming Burns' way. I don't think Burns puts him away, even though we know that he's got the submission skills and the KO power. Um, I just don't see him doing that to Masvidal. Masvidal's very durable. He's, I hate the term, I feel it's overused, but he is a crafty veteran at this stage in his career. But um, I do think that Burns should take this one. Been getting some of that stem cell treatment deal down in Colombia, so we'll see how uh, how he fares after that. That's sorry, Masvidal. Um, I think it breaks whoever loses. I think this uh, this yeah. this is the nail in the coffin for their respective runs in in the top ten. I know Masvidal, I think, has slid to to eleven, uh, but a, but a win will elevate him back into that sort of five to eight range. I think. Um, but whoever loses is done. I, I don't think we ever see a resurgence from whoever loses this fight. I think Masvidal's ranked fifteenth at the moment. And 12 and 9 in UFC fights. Mm. 13, six, 35 and 16 all over, but UFC 12 and 9. Mm. Yeah, it's big. There was also a, uh, I believe on this card, it reminded me of my favourite Jorge Masvidal moment, which is kind of shit because it comes at his expense. I believe there was an inverted triangle that took place on this weekend, either the most recent UFC card or a card UFC card uh, in, in recent in the recent weeks, and it reminded me, Toby Amada in Bellator 5 caught Jorge Masvidal in an inverted triangle. And if you can find the footage of it, it is one of my favorite submissions. It was my favorite submission before I saw Jorge Masvidal even fight in the UFC. Uh, chokes him unconscious while standing to an inverted triangle. I think it won uh, submission of the year in 2009, but it was absolutely brilliant to watch. And then um, I'm reminded of it every time I see a really, really nice uh, loss of consciousness submission. Stony aware, right? He is ranked 11th. I was looking at the Calvin Gastelum fire. He's ranked 15th in the middleweight. All right, boys, let's move on to our main event. It's time! This is crazy that this fight's come around again so, so quick. quickly. So, so quick. quickly. And it's what Izzy wanted. He wanted a quick turnaround. And I'm sure Alex Pereira is probably... The same. He probably wants it done and dusted so he can fight someone else. Mm. Boys, who wants to kick us off? Yeah, look, I, I don't know if he, he wants it done and dusted so he can fight someone else because I think there's an enormous challenge with almost everybody else. So there's an mm. enormous challenge with Izzy, but I think stylistically there's a, a mammoth challenge with pretty much anyone else in that top five. Um, 
But it, it's a, a fight that you, you, you're not going to turn it down, are you? No. If, you, if you're Alex Pahat, that's the whole reason you really you've come to the UFC to conquer this sport and, and continue, I guess, that dominance over Israel Adesanya. Um, I don't, I don't think it happens, and I never thought I'd say that deal. Seeing someone lose three combat sport fights, I, I still am going into this fight expecting Israel Adesanya to come away with a victory, whether that's a, a, an outpointed decision or whether he, you know, connects like he did in the first round of the last fight, but maybe a little bit earlier and has a chance to put him away. I'm not too sure, but I, I, I absolutely think Israel is a, a gigantic chance of pulling this one off deal, uh, which just sounds ridiculous given the uh, the background between these two fighters. You would think if someone's beat you three times in, in any form of combat sport that they've just completely got your measure and I uh, just am refusing stubbornly refusing to, to fully accept that and embrace it. So I'm all on board. Uh, your boy Israel Adesanya for this one, DL. Get it. I'm very excited and very, very nervous for this fight. Um, and, and I don't think it's because I, I desperately want Adesanya, Adesanya to win, although that's true. There's just a nervousness that comes with watching Alex Bahia fight. Uh, it's kind of like watching Francis Ngannou step into, into the cage. Like when Francis Ngannou fought Stipe Miocic for the first time, I think that's the most tense I've ever been in the first round. And Alex Bahia has that. Um, I've gone on record previously about how I feel like short of a few individual seconds, Israel Adesanya is 3-0 over Alex Bahia, but somehow he is 0-3. I think that he's the better fighter. I think that he's by far the better MMA fighter. But Pahaya has such an equaliser in that left hook that goes along and that goes along with like a very, very well-rounded, very, very highly tuned kickboxing game. So he's not just a left hook. He is he is a very, very talented kickboxer, but that left hook is so freakishly good that I'm actually not comfortable picking this fight. Um, I I Again, I think that Israel Adesanya is the better fighter and has proof that he is the better fighter for 95, 96% of the total time that they've spent in the cage together. But I'm not going to pick this fight because I, I, I genuinely don't know how it's going to end. I'm going to watch it. I'll probably, I'll probably end up watching it through my fingers. Uh, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm keen for this. And the one thing that I hope that is if Alex Bahay does win this fight... I hope he takes one more fight at middleweight. Um, I think that the I think that the promotional push and Alex Bahia's self-preservation push will be to move up to light heavyweight and challenge what is arguably easier waters for him. But I would really, really love to see him stay in the middleweight division and and take on one challenge from the middleweight division that's not uh, Israel Adesanya. Robert Whittaker, um, Hamzat Shemaev, I know I've chucked his name out in the welterweight and I know that he doesn't have top 10 wins, but I'd love to see that fight at some point in the middleweight division. But I genuinely believe that if Alex Pajaya wins this one, he'll move up to light heavyweight uh, and, he won't, and he won't take on those challenges, which is unfortunate. That's Deal? it. Any That's thoughts? It. Yeah. yeah. Boys, it's big. Uh, I hope Alex uh, gets absolutely flogged. <laughs> I think he, yeah, it'd be interesting. I don't think he does stick around at middle. If he gets this done, I think this is his middleweight uh, done and dusted. Glover Texera, what's where's he at now, Statman? 
Uh, he lost to Jamal Hill. Yeah, but so. is he calling it a day, or is he going to try and? I think he. I think he retired, didn't he? He retired in the cage after the Jamal Hill fight. Yeah, well, if he did, then I think that paints a, a really sort of compelling case that Pahaya goes up. Um, yeah, win, lose, or draw, in my opinion. So I think this is the last fight we see at midweight, which is a shame for the likes of Rob Whitaker and even Vittori and maybe even Paulo Costa. I think all fair, reasonably yeah. well um, against Pahaya, but it, that's that. That's what it is. So we'll see him uh, hit the division higher, I think, DL, after he gets done by Israel Adesanya. Well, let's move on to our house money locks. Who wants to kick us off this week? Who's got one ready to go? I've got I've got a short and sh- short and sharp for the house money locks. Right, um, let's if go. You want to make? See, Statman, you-, you can hear the sounds now, so you've yeah. got to wait. Yeah, no, I, that 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 makes sense. I forgot that there was a drum roll. Um, <laughs> if um if you want to make some money on this card, the best bet is Adrian Yanez over Rob Font. He's going at a dollar fifty four. Um, Font, I love as a fighter. He is on the downturn of his career, whereas Adrian Yanez is potentially knocking on the top five, um, and with a title fight in the next twelve to eighteen months, I I struggle to see Font overcoming Yanez in this one. Yeah, it puts me in a really awkward position, uh, DL, because that was the only lock I really saw on the card. But if your push comes to shove, which I know it must, uh, I'm jumping on Raul Rosas Jr. Uh, to get it done. I just see the he's a massive hype train. Uh, I'm buying into him, DL. I think he gets it done against uh, Christian Rodriguez. But, yeah, look, he, I'm with Statman. That, that was the obvious lock for me. I think the, there's not too many locks on this card. Um yeah, looking at that prelim card, there's nothing really even in the prelims. Normally you can see one or two in the either the early prelims or the prelims deal, but um, there's nothing that's really taking my fancy that I would, you know, put put my house on on this card. Well, Stoney didn't want his drum roll, but I'll take it. I think Gilbert Burns is a pretty good house money lock, to be honest with you. I think Masvidal gets flogged. Uh, just uh, another one. Uh, this weekend, uh, the F1s are in uh, uh, Melbourne. Yep. I'd put two mortgages on Max Verstappen winning. Okay. Going to hold you to that one. <laughs> Don't tell me, wife. And if he doesn't win, I want me basketball ring back that you never put up. <laughs> Stand out the back, you can have it. There is no tour of the week this week. Uh, Stoney's got a little bit of a wobble on him because uh, the success of last week's. Um, <laughs> so he's just just settling down this week. But how many he, how many views did that get the hell? Oh mate, got fourteen thousand views. Oof. Welcome to the world of TikTok. Anyway, Stoney will have one next week. It's it's turning into a monthly uh, tool of the week now, so we're going to have, have to change the tool of the month. Correct. Yeah. You can't keep this quality as a weekly content deal, even fortnightly. It just gets too – it's tough. It's tough to find the tools. That's fine, mate. That'll people come. don't want to be on this uh, segment. When it first started, people were blissfully unaware and it was just very easy to jump on Twitter and find an obvious candidate. True. Now everyone is trying their best to avoid, but they will best not be behavior. True. True. We will hunt them down no matter where they stand and we'll uh, – We'll broadcast them to the world. Uh, we'd love to make it uh, an every episode thing. So if you've got one, Stoney might have missed it. His eyes aren't always on his phone. The run at backpodcast at gmail.com or via our socials. Boys, that wraps up episode 78. If you like what we're doing, please like, share, comment, or subscribe to the podcast. That is episode 78, boys, on Producer DL. I'm the Statman. My name is Stoney. And we'll run it back with you all on the next Run It Back podcast. Nice one. Yeah. Boys, good job. Good job. Debate was fun. It was good. <laughs>